Hello, friends. Welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kevin. We've been married for 25 years, and we've seen the best of times, and we've seen the worst of times. We also have four awesome kids who are growing up and leaving our nest. We've loved doing this podcast, and we're excited for it to continue. We don't have it all figured out, but we do have a lot of life experiences. Since becoming a life coach, I'm so excited to share with you the tools I've learned to help you in this journey we call life. Okay, friends, today the topic that I was thinking of were false traditions or beliefs, and it may be a different thing than what you're thinking right now, but I found this quote, and it says, we spend the first part of our lives creating belief systems that aren't true, and the second part of our lives getting rid of the false beliefs. So just think about that. And I think a lot of people are struggling with something that you've been taught, but you aren't sure if you believe it, and start asking yourself questions. Be curious. Do some introspection. And just because you don't believe something that your parents do doesn't make it right or wrong. It is just what works for them and not even just your parents, your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, your friends. Um, It is just what works for them and what works for you might be different and that's okay. So I just made a list of different things and Kevin and I are going to kind of discuss it and see if we come up with any more while we're having this conversation. Yeah, freelancing. (laughs) Yep, that's right. But it's true. We kind of get sucked into those things that we've just been taught our whole life. And then as you get older, like there's just so much stuff that like I just kind of live with, uh, axioms that have been taught and different things have been passed down or you do it because your parents did or you heard some leader say this and you just do it. And all of a sudden you're like, I, I don't know if I believe that or not. Like I don't think that's really true. It doesn't ring true for me or It's just whatever. Yeah, and I think a lot of times teachers or like mission presidents or leaders or parents, we say things, I think, to get our kids to do something or become something, but really in the saying of it isn't really super healthy or right. So one of them I thought about was the more obedient you are on your mission, the prettier your wife will be. Now, that's sexist in and of itself because girls go on missions. Oh, that's but, right. <laughs> but I think so many people said this to elders, don't you think? Oh, for sure. We used to joke about it all the time. Like, elder, if you go tracked in the snow, like, in, like your wife's going to be super hot. And reality is it's like, what was I trying to do? I, we were trying to motivate them to get out of their apartment and go work, right? And it's interesting you started off with that, of all the different <laughs> things that you know were false. But I think that that's a, a deal that yeah we're trying to in- install obedience. Yeah, and what if you don't ever get married or <laughs> your wife's ugly? Yeah, it's like well, <laughs> you're like damn elder, you must you must never left your house. Yeah. I don't know. You were very but, disobedient, weren't you? <laughs> but it just, we, we tie obedience to something that it shouldn't be tied to, right? We do. We definitely tie obedience to something like a lot of times that happens in life. I think that people will attribute um, financial success to somebody is completely obedient, you know, in their life. And it's like that strict obedience has got that person to have all this financial success. And I'm like, I've met some total dirt bags that are financially successful and, and they, they can even claim to be super religious. They could be slimy as all get out and claim to be very religious and they've been blessed financially. And I've met some of the best people in the world that are financially strapped, but they are as righteous of a person as you can find. And so I think that's a big deal that we've looked at is to say, 
No, strict obedience and religious behavior does not equate to absolute wealth, financial prosperity. Or a pretty wife. Or a pretty wife. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, so this next one, it really, like, as I was writing it, I'm like, Just I so you know, have- Jennifer, I <laughs> worked my ass off on my mission, and I was super, super obedient. So, babe, you're hot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I just get better with age. Well, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, but this is something that I've been, I know I've been guilty of and actually was told to me. I'm telling your daughter she needs to get an education just in case in her future something bad happens, like her husband dies or she gets divorced. And I think this is such a wrong way of thinking and something we should not be telling our daughters. And maybe get educated for the benefit of being educated. Yeah, because you want to. You might want to have a career. You might want to be in the workforce. And so because learning, there's so many reasons. It's not because something bad's going to happen and guarantee something bad's going to happen, right? Yeah. But that's not why. And something amazing's going to happen too. But that's not the purpose of giving an education. And I think so many people go to school, you always call it the MRS degree. And, you know, to get married, that's why we go to school. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. And again, if you want your daughter in this case to go to school, is to say maybe just have that conversation and say like why do we why do we value education and it's also you know to have an accomplishment in your life right yeah. that you've done something and the thrill of learning and to be a lifelong learner not because something bad might happen to you so you need a college degree to fall back on yeah um becoming a mother is the greatest blessing don't wait and i think this oh. I think a lot of girls, a lot of women, they, you know, a lot of them do dream about becoming a mother and that's great, but that's not one size fits all. Yeah. A lot of women, I think it's scary. It's terrifying to become a mother, right? A lot of men, it's terrifying to become a dad. Yeah. But I think the pressure is so intense to become a mother. I think a lot of people, it happens way before they're ready. Oh, yeah. Way before they want to. And just because you become a mother doesn't necessarily mean you also want to stay home with that baby. It is hard work raising a baby. And we don't give anyone permission to say it's hard. We ask the question like, hey, how's your baby? So cute. You know, we don't give that mother the opportunity to like, say like, oh my gosh, I haven't slept in two days and I can't change another diaper. And or I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, man. I'm yeah. struggling a little bit. Like, 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 yeah, all of a sudden if we're real about it is to say, I thought this was going to be pretty easy and now it's a little challenging for me, but that's not the right answer to say. You know? Right. And not it's, what we want to hear. Right. It's, it's a lot harder. And I think we sometimes put the pressure on people to have kids way before they're ready. Yeah. I mean, again, think about what a better parent you could be if you go experience life a little bit. We've got some good friends that they put off having kids uh, for seven to nine years, traveled the world, did a lot of different things. And I'm sure they probably had a lot of pressure put on them by family or society or their church congregation to hurry up and have kids. But it's like they actually lived a fulfilling life and and felt fulfilled themselves and built a, a big building block for their marriage and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, it's not all. Yeah. One know, size. I mean, it's not for everyone. That, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, some people are really ready for that and are genuinely ready. But I think to ask the question all the time, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? 
yeah. is not helpful. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's a great point. What's another um, one? The other one, and I was guilty for this for years, is putting yourself first is selfish. And I truly believed this. And I probably judged other women for putting themselves first. I know I did. But this is such a huge lie, especially for women. I don't know. It's as hard for men. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, you're taught to like sacrifice, like everything goes to the kids, everything goes to your wife, everything goes to like, if you've got responsibilities with your church obligations, whatever it is, you give all of that and you're taught like selflessness and like that makes you more Christ-like and all these things. And then you're like, my tank's at zero. And we wonder why people spin out like in their fifties and have like the, you know, the crisis, the midlife crisis. Cause like, dude, they've given something to everybody else their whole life. And instead it's like, no, they needed to take some time to, to build themselves and to heal themselves and to figure out who they are. So then they've got capacity to go give. That's one of the greatest things we've learned is to say, when you can take some time for you, you then have something to go give. Otherwise you're just coasting on fumes all the time. Yeah. And I think putting yourself first is the greatest gift you can give to your kids and to your husband, to your marriage and to anyone else in your life. So really, that needs to be something in my mind that needs to have a shift in our society, in our culture. Yeah, that it's okay to say, yeah. look, there's a difference between saying like, you know, screw you kids and husband and career. And I was like, it's all about me. Well, that's out of balance too, right? right? That's the 180 on the other side. It's like, no, it's okay to say, I need to go to the gym right now because I'm kind of feeling, you know, I need to blow some steam off, some stress that I'm going to have something to give you or... I need to get my nails done, my hair done. Like whatever your deal is, it's okay to go love yourself and give permission to go love yourself and to fill your cup. And then you've got something to go give. Yeah, definitely agree. Another one, I since I was the one thinking of these. Oh, no, this is great, women, yeah. Women need to make sure to cover their bodies so men won't have bad thoughts about them. Right. I think that's huge evil, in our society. Evil, evil. <laughs> Um, modesty is such a loaded question right now or loaded word, but I think we need to reframe what modesty means and it's not in how we dress because we cannot control a man's thoughts. We could be fully covered right. and a guy's going to have a bad thought. So that gives the woman that she's controlling of the man's thoughts, which is impossible to do. I wish it was easier to do. <laughs> no, it's true is it's to say, yeah, I mean... I could walk around in a baggy sweatshirt and baggy sweatpants, babe, and you're only human, you know? <laughs> it's true. I'm just kidding. But but it's true that it has nothing to do with that. It, it's on the man. In this case, it's on the man. And you could say the same thing for a man that, you know, dresses more provocatively that what the woman thinks evil thoughts is like, that's on her. That's on him right. to be able to do that. And you should be able to dress the way you want to dress because that's how you're feeling. Just because you're feeling sexy and attractive, or you've got a nice body that you want to wear clothing that accentuate. Why should you have to go wear a, a garbage bag, you know, with that to, so that everybody else can control their thoughts? It's like, that's crazy. That's so true. Okay. The next one, your worth as a parent is based on how obedient your kids are. Or how successful or your how kids. successful your kids yeah, are. Absolutely. Yeah. You could be the <laughs> worst parent in the world because your your kids are not all uh, straight A students, or they're not all Eagle Scouts, they're not all class presidents, 
They're not all on the debate team, captain of the football team. They all didn't get into a certain college. Uh, they didn't grow up and marry somebody super successful financially or have a big career. You think, oh, what did I do as a parent? Shit, you, you might not have done anything as a parent. Yeah, because your kids could be the most amazing kids and you were the worst parent or you're the best parent and your kids, it's called free agency. So we can't base our worth on what our kids do or don't do. Yeah, but we do it all the time. And, and we, we love to compare it. And we do it to other parents. Like, oh, ooh, yeah. they must not have been very good. None of their kids went on missions. Yeah, exactly. Oh. None of their kids went and married in the temple. Oh, I wonder what was going on in their house. Yep, we have a lot of secrets behind those closed doors. Or, you know, we, we've had you know some good friends, a state president that had a super wayward son. You could look at a lot of general authorities that have, like, kids that are completely spun out. It's like, what, were they not great parents? And I always come back to the whole concept of saying, really? Like, if in LDS doctrine, if a third of the host of heaven left God's presence, if that's the case, like, was God not a good enough parent? Is that what happened? You know, did he not, did he screw it all up? It's like, no, like, we have free agency. Kids are going to do what they want to do and choose how they want to choose. And we just have to go love them where they're at and not get our worth from whatever they're going to be doing. Now, of course, you want to be proud of your kids, but like sometimes people hang their head in shame. Like I've, I love the parent when you ask like, uh, tell me about Jane and Billy. You know, what are they doing? And they they tell me, oh, you know what? Uh, Jane's working at some spot that, I don't know. They, Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> right. <They're, laughs> Hooters as a bartender and... Billy works the night shift security guard at whatever else. I just love that they own that as opposed to like, oh, Jane is, she's a pediatric oncologist and, you know, Billy is just learning 19 languages and he works for the state department. It's like, awesome, you know, but it's like, no, just own where your kids are at and love them. And that's great. Okay. Another one is having boundaries is a way to punish someone. And I think a lot of times people feel this way about boundaries. It's a negative connotation, but in reality, a boundary is for the person making it for whatever reason that they are. But it's it's not to punish the other person. It's just the person making the boundary is to protect them or to, you know, if someone's yelling, they might have a boundary. If someone yells at me, I'm going to leave the room. They don't have to tell the other person to stop yelling. That person can continue yelling. But they have chosen, you know what, when someone's yelling at me, I'm going to leave the room. And then they can make that choice and leave. So it's not punishing the other person. Yeah. They're not making them do something they don't want to do. They're yeah. just choosing to leave the room. Yeah. I'm going to share one really fast that came to my mind that we had um, from one of our marriage counselors. We worked with Emil, Emil Harker. And he was awesome talking about this. He said, um, you know, I want you to plant a garden and I want you to bring your chair up, bring a chair up and just sit right next to your garden. And I want you to pray for your garden. I want you to go to the temple for your garden. I want you to fast for your garden. I want you to read your scriptures right next to your garden. He goes, what is that going to do for your garden? I'm like, not a damn thing. And he goes, that's the counseling that we give in marriages to make your marriage better. Like, your marriage is struggling? Well, gosh, you guys probably need to get to the temple more. It's like, really? Or, you know, your marriage is struggling a little bit. You know what? Are you guys praying together as a couple? 
Um, are you reading? Like, those are all things that you should do maybe from a religious standpoint, if that's where you're at, or pick and choose. Or do it that. on your own. Do it on your yeah. own, like whatever it is. But that is not going to go make your marriage better. And as a matter of fact, it's like if your communication's terrible or your sex life is not great, I, you're, you're not going to find that in the scriptures. You know, you're not going to open that up and say, you know what, I learned this, or going to the temple is not going to do that for you. If you're struggling financially or whatever it is, like you're not going to find that in those ways of doing that. So you have to really come together and communicate. And I just think that's a huge mistruth that we teach. That that is the equation in mathematics to have a good, strong, healthy marriage. Is is those things? It's saying I don't think so. That's a good one. Um, another one is, and actually our daughter, one of our daughters sent this one to me, going to a therapist or life coach is a sign of weakness. And I think so many people believe this, like, why would you need to go to a therapist? Can't you figure it out on your own? Why do you need to go talk to someone? And so many times in life, I think, I honestly think every marriage, every person should be talking to a life coach or a therapist because sometimes we can't see for ourselves what we're doing like we can see what everyone else is doing but we can't see what we're actually doing and what we're contributing what we could fix or tweak or something so i think having those check-ins i mean in my mind that's the most generous thing you could do for yourself or to your kids or to your family because sometimes you need another person that's outside of your circle to be looking in and help you see things you can't see for yourself yeah how about this I could just Google like problems with my body. I can Google, maybe find a YouTube clip on uh, how to fix my, my engine. It's like, seriously, it's like, I have no idea how to do those things. And even if I'm watching a video, reading articles, that does not make me the expert. How many businesses, you know, hire consultants to go help with their business merger or whatever, or they hire an attorney to do something yet with our mental health, something that's so critical and crucial, we think that's the weakness is to go see a therapist or a life coach on. It's like, that is crazy. We have to change that ideology. And I think it's slowly changing. I think it is too. Not totally. Um, your weight determines your value. I think so many people in this our society, we're such a visual-driven society and weight and physical appearance is so like prevalent everywhere. I think people derive their value from being a certain weight on the scale or looking a certain way. And I think it can destroy your self-esteem, your self-image. Um, if you put all your value on what you weigh and what a number is on the scale. Yeah. We've talked about that in our house is to say, it's not the number on the scale. It's like, how do I fit in my clothes? How do I feel about myself? Like, because that number is going to fluctuate up and down all the time. You could have more you know, muscle mass on there and your, that number is going to go up but you feel better about yourself or, you know, whatever, or great. You're starving yourself to death to get to that number, but it's like you're malnourished. It's like, this is crazy. So yeah, I'm with you. And that's one of the lessons we learned from Africa was that there were people that were there that never even, they they didn't even know what they looked like. You know, there was no phones. They couldn't take a selfie. The water was dark enough. They couldn't see reflection. They didn't have a mirror. They had no body images whatsoever. um, No body shaming, you know, that's so true. Another one from our daughter. You can't marry someone who isn't your same religion or your marriage will never last. Yeah, that's a bad call. It's like, great, we, we can be the same religion and be miserable. You know, we could be different religions, but we've found a, a match. 
Um, it's like, why would God, you know, put people together that don't love each other and can come together? And that is, it's a big deal. Now, being the same religion, the same political affiliation, the same whatever, yeah, you're absolutely right that those are things that can be hard. But gosh, every marriage has, you know, uh, ups and downs and whatnot. But that doesn't, that does not mean good, we're the same religion. So, this is all going to be bliss, and we're going to ride off in the sunset together. No way. Um, happy wife, happy life. Oh, my God. I hate this one. <laughs> it's so true. I hear that so many times from guys that say that. And I'm like, that is a freaking cop-out. And I say, no. You know what? Like, you're. It's truly just a cop-out is to say, I'm just going to just, oh. What was I, the phrase you came up with? You probably can't remember it right now. Okay, let me think about it for a second. Let's think. Um I can't remember that phrase, but I'm sure it was a good one. But I would just say, you know what? It's not It's not happy wife, happy life. It's to say, you know what? You can't control if, if your wife's happy or not. And you can go, you know, ride a unicycle and juggle and do all these different things to try to make your wife happy. And if she's not happy, it is. But I think as a guy, that's a complete cop-out is to say, let me just sacrifice everything for me, you know, give to her. And that's going to make her happy. Yeah, Therefore, and I think she it's because they, they want to avoid the bitching and moaning. That's they want exactly to avoid right. the conflict. But really, we need to lean into the conflict and get through the conflict. And then we both will be happier because we'll figure out what each other's thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. Coming up with a solution. Exactly. That, it's such a cop-out. Um, don't go to bed angry. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we have had some fights before where I'm just like, you know what? I'm done tonight talking about this. And... For me, like for me personally, the house could burn down that night. And if it's like 1130 at night, I'm like, I'll deal with this in the morning. Like I just, I am done with it and I'm fresher in the morning. My mind thinks better. So it's like, for me, it's like, I would much rather go to bed angry and pissed off, sleep on it, get up the next day. And I'm like, eh, I'm already over it. Like, I don't even know what we were mad about. It's stupid. Mind's reset. But when people say like, never go to bed angry, it's like, whatever. It's true. Marriage is forever. Well. I think it's a nice thought, but it's not necessarily always true, right? No, it doesn't have to be. Um, no. No, 50% of marriages don't make it, so marriage isn't necessarily forever. And sometimes that's just like a, a chapter in someone's life, potentially. It's to say, like, this was a great experience, and um, I'm moving on to something else. Or some people say, great or they're just suffering through in their marriage, right? They're, they're just they're enduring to the end. They're enduring <laughs> to the end of their marriage. And it's like, I think they're going to get to the other side. And all of a sudden, it's like God's going to say, I don't even think you two like each other. You know, like, you know, you've got to go to like marriage remedial classes to figure each other out and how to make this work, you know, let alone think that we're going to be married forever to one another. So, yeah, I think it has definitely has the potential, but it's not everybody's utopia. Right. Um, we never fight. I think a lot of couples want to like say, oh, we never fight. Then your marriage sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, I think people, it's like almost viewed as like fighting is bad, but no, actually healthy couples fight and have disagreements. And it doesn't mean they're having a yelling and screaming match with each other. It could but I think it's healthy to disagree. Who wants to agree with the person 100% of the time? That means one of you or both of you are completely miserable. Yeah, or, or you literally are like so vanilla with life. 
like I would much rather have some passionate person's going to tell me to, this is how I think and this is how I see things versus like we're just such milk toast that it's like, eh, whatever. It's like, great. How, how great is, of a life is that? So no, of course, everybody fights or one person's pissed off at the other one and the other one just sucks it up and doesn't say anything. Happy wife, happy life. Let me just not rock the boat. And then they're just miserable. Yeah, they've just suppressed something. Yeah. So I would love to hear if any of our listeners want to share. You can DM us on Instagram or email us, Jennifer at relationship411podcast.com. If you have any of these that you've come up with that we didn't mention, because I know there's a ton out there. And I think it's important to start talking about them and be curious and think like, do I believe that? Do I think that? Do I say that? And just start asking yourself those questions because I think some of these things are not helpful. They're hurting us, not helping us. If you want more relationship tips, get on my email list, lifecoachgen2.0 at gmail.com or go to my website, relationship411podcast.com and sign up for a free consultation to get more personal help with your relationships. As always, follow us at relationship411podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we promise to give you the 411 about relationships. So you don't have to call 911 for yours.